0: Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. It's Tuesday. Has anything new happened since Monday? We're gonna find out. Good morning. Good
1: morning. What's going
0: on? Mm. Ready to read some news story. I'm
1: not ready. <laughs> There's a light right next to me that might blind me if I turn it on.
0: I'll blind the camera as well, probably.
1: That light's okay, or does it need more?
0: I mean, you're in the shadows. If I open
1: the blinds, it's just gonna pour sunlight in, I think.
0: I accidentally played my music and Lithium by Nirvana started playing.
1: Oh, cool. I'm so happy. happy. Alright, how's that? Oh, that's even worse. about that card? I just pulled some string That's pretty good, right? We are in a new studio in uh, Fitchburg, Wisconsin. Fitchburg.
0: Fitchburg.
1: Basically Madison. Madison. Yeah. If I sit like this and read it, it looks like, hey. There's still a floating to head,
0: but a really close floating
1: head. I was building and I found a phone where I could read the news from it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm a pure giant.
1: It goes into a screen saver every time I take my finger out it. So I gotta grab, let go of the ledge with one hand.
0: <laughs> oh my God. All right, you ready? I got,
1: I got three stories. Let me see if I can read them. Uh, coherent man, what was this here? Wait a minute.
0: Today on Before Coffee. Putin says security services prevented civil war and amid Wagner mutiny fallout.
1: Was that actually a tsunami that hit Florida?
0: (laughs) Was that the headline? That's it? Sick cliff edge poses threat to UK electric car production. Warns industry chief.
1: In Good Tuesday Newsday, girls' key cards that can predict strokes.
0: Techscape. Can the EU bring law and order to AI?
1: And also in Good Tuesday News Day, the Indigenous Guardsmen who rescued Columbia's missing children in, on today, June 27th, 2023, edition of Before Copy.
0: Okay. Let's talk about the fallout here of the mutiny, as they're calling it, from Pyotr Sauer on The Guardian. Vladimir Putin has appeared outside at the Kremlin to tell members of the Russian security services that they essentially prevented a civil war during Yevgeny's Krikozhin's armed mutiny as a jet linked to Wagner leader flew to Belarus from Russia. The people and the army were not on the side of the mutineers, the Russian president told the assembled heads of the Russian, Russia's main domestic security service and the defense minister, Sergei Shogu, whom Prigozhin had sought to oust with his uprising in the Kremlin's cathedral square. Boone then announced a minute's silence for the army pilots that Wagner had shot down and killed during the uprising. There has been no official information about how many pilots died or how many aircraft were shot down, but some pro-military bloggers reported that at least 13 pilots were killed during the mutiny. Shortly after Putin's comments, Viktor Zolotov, a secretive former bodyguard to Putin, who now heads Rozh Russia's internal military force, claimed that the rebellion was inspired by the West. Western intelligence agencies were working. The rebellion was inspired by the West and superimposed on prigozhin's ambitions, Zolotov said, without provi- proving providing evidence. He added that Rose Gavardia, a force used to suppress internal dissent, would be equipped with heavy weapons and tanks following prigozhin's rebellion. This issue was discussed with the president, Zolotov said. Earlier in the day, Russia's FSB security service dropped a criminal investigation into Prigozhin over his armed mutiny. The Kremlin had earlier promised to drop charges against Prigozhin as part of the deal to negotiated by the Belarusian president, Alexander Lukashenko, under which the Wagner leaders meant to move to Belarus. Lukashenko on Tuesday told the defense minister that Wagner soldiers could provide the country priceless information about warfare. In a defiant 11-minute statement on Monday, Brigozin defended the Wagner Uprising and denied that he had sought to topple Putin. He made no mention of his whereabouts, but the flight data showed that a Russian-registered Embraer Legacy 600 jet, which is linked to Prigozhin in U.S. sanctions documents, flew to Belarus from Russia on Tuesday morning. The flight tracking website FlightRadar24 showed the jet descending to landing altitude near the Belarusian capital, Minsk. It first appeared on the tracking site above Rostov, the southern Russian city Prigozhin's fighters captured on Saturday. Putin said in an unscheduled address to the nation on Monday evening that the Wagner group would be shut down and the group's fighters had the choice to sign a contract with the Ministry of Defense or relocate to Belarus. The Kremlin previously said it would guarantee Prigozhin's safe passage to Belarus and Putin's remarks indicate that the other Wagner fighters could follow him there. Prigozhin himself, said Lukashenko, had agreed to let the group operate there. Putin's recent series of public statements, including that the Russian leader is eager to protect a sense of unity following the biggest crisis in his 23 years in power, said Sam Green, the director of Russian Institute at King's College London, Putin is hoping, through a series of set-piece events, like last night's security meeting and today's address at the Cathedral Square, to rewrite the narrative of Prigozhin's pooch, as one of the consolidations in consensus. I don't know. Pooch. I don't know what that means. But I'm sure it means rebellion, short big rebellion.
1: Big I It's an
0: attempt by a group to overthrow the government. Okay, why don't they just say coup? I guess that's different, because it's it's a successful, oh, I think a coup is an successful overthrow and a pooch is a unsuccessful one. It was an attempt. There was an attempt.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. The greatest threat to Putin at this point comes not from Prigozhin, but from the potential that these events break the Hermetic seal on the public consensus as no alternative to Putin. Russia's Defense Ministry said on Tuesday that Wagner is preparing to hand over heavy military equipment to the regular army. The Defense Ministry's statement suggests the military leadership is swiftly moving ahead with the dissolution of Wagner, whose troops are believed to have returned to their bases in the Russian-occupied area of eastern Ukraine. On Monday night, the Kremlin released a video showing the Russian president meeting the head of the SSB and Chogu, Chogu, The defense minister's continued presence suggests he still enjoy, enjoys the support of Putin. Shoigu previously had ordered all volunteer detachments to sign contracts with his ministry by the end of the month. A step seen as an attempt to rein in, goes in by integrating Wagner into the army. In his audio messages on Monday, Prigozhin said his troops would resist being subsumed under the Russian Defense Ministry, would not sign contracts, and that Wagner could even be allowed to continue its operations in Belarus. So yeah. it seems like it's been averted, but who knows what's going to happen in the future? Because it hasn't been well, solved; all- it's just been, just been diverted.
1: Right. We all, we all, we all know what's what's in store for old boy nice little flying lesson no? what do you think <laughs> nice little flying lesson, courtesy of the belarus government it's the branch office they've opened in the vladimir putin flying school okay in a short but sweet weather news whether you want to hear it or not <laughs> Uh, an unexpected culprit. This is from AP and it's about something, a tsunami phenomenon. AP reporter Isabella O'Malley. An unexpected culprit toppled beach chairs along the sand in what we call them Clearwater Beach, Florida, last Wednesday. West Coast surfers might snicker at the cause, but the National Weather Service confirms that the rear four foot, 1.2 meter wave caused by a kind of tsunami. Just not the kind you usually hear about. It was a meteo tsunami, a type caused by storms with strong gusting winds rather than dramatic tsunamis triggered by earthquakes. What is a meteo tsunami? According to Paul Close, senior forecaster, National Weather Service in Tampa Bay area, when a line of storms tracks over the ocean, there can be 30 to 40 mile per hour winds, otherwise known as 48 to 80 kilometer per hour winds. Near the leading edge, the winds push the water, increasing the water away near the coast before it eventually crashes onto the shore. Meteo tsunamis only last about an hour because once the leading edge of the storm passes onto land, action subsides. The medio tsunami was about 2.5 meters higher than the forecast wave height and around four feet higher than the average sea level six foot and higher medial tsunamis have been recorded around the world. Other services have not issued specific advisors for medial tsunamis. If the agency forecasts that a storm will have substantial impact, it issues a coastal flood watch or warning. Close said that the stronger storms could score squ- and squall lines, groups of storms that track the line of tense winds and heavy rain are more common during the winter around Florida. They don't happen that often this time of the year, but the current atmospheric pattern that is kind of unusual with all the heat out in Texas and the cooling damp weather in the Northeast, close said. This time of year, the winds from the east are more common, he said, but the winds have been from the west for almost all of June. So we're getting freakish weather, normally seen in the winter in Florida. Just another ingredient to catastrophic weather. And there's my short and sweet weather report for Tuesday morning.
0: Had a On to you, Chat.
1: Your story, Chat.
0: Okay. From Jasper <laughs> Jolly and Julia Polowa. Brexit cliff edge poses a threat to the UK electric car production. The growth of the electric car production in Britain is under threat from a Brexit clip edge in January unless the EU agrees to delay new trade rules until 2027. Industry has warned. Electric cars exported from the UK, to the EU, will have to meet tighter rules of origin in the new year, which mean batteries must be sourced from within the two trade partners or else expensive 10% tariffs will be applied on exports. However... As UK and European manufacturers are reliant on batteries from Asia, tariffs appear all but inevitable under these rules. Mike Halls, the chief executive of the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders (SMMT), said, "There is a huge potential for growth, and that growth is now at risk from tariffs. We're saying basically suspended. We're saying basically suspend the requirement and just let the regulation." that's currently in place flow through to 2027, which is the next threshold. We need to make sure those tariffs are implied or else there's a real potential that the electrical vehicle's EVs are more expensive and face a tariff where petrol-diesel doesn't. We we can't afford to have a last-minute 31 December agreement because business needs to plan its volumes. This SMMT has called for political parties in the UK to have an industrial strategy to create the conditions for a tenfold rise in the production of battery-powered electric vehicles to more than 750,000 a year by 2030, as it highlighted growing global competition. At a central London conference attended by international car makers and investors, Gondaway. The SMMT said such production boost was equivalent to a cumulative 106 billion worth of vehicles at the factory gate. This level of growth depends on British factories attracting the next generation of electric models and scaling up the supply chain. Production has steadily recovered since the COVID-19 pandemic, and manufacturing jobs in the sector rose 4% to 208,000 in the last year. A further 24,000 battery electric vehicles joined the road in May, up to 58.7% a year, and a 16.9% market share. On Tuesday, the SMMT called on all political parties to recognize the strategic importance of the sector to the UK, which faces fierce global competition as other countries offer huge cash incentives and subsidies to attract green manufacturing. The report came as Labor set out to measure the turbo charge, the switch to electric motoring. The Shadow Transport Secretary, Luis Haig, will p- announce a plan on Tuesday to rapidly scale up the electric vehicle battery production, which Labor said could create 80,000 jobs and trigger more than $30 billion in investment. Speaking at the SMT conference, Haig urged the government to take urgent action on the Brexit trade rules. Labour are urging the government to prioritise an agreement with the European Union to ensure manufacturers have time to prepare to meet rules of origin requirements and make Brexit work for them. He said that Labour will build resilience and security by ramping up the domestic battery capacity and expanding the rollout of electric vehicle chargers. The SMT said inflationary pressures were another problem, cited by more than 80% of car makers as limiting profitability and holding back investment despite an increase in orders and output. Competitive energy prices are critical to long-term production. The UK automotive sector faces electricity costs more than double those of the EU rivals. With the added challenge of long lead times to secure essential new grid connections for renewable investments. So, they want to make more electric cars, but there's so many, as usual, Europe has a lot of regulations, which are sometimes very good and needed, but these ones might be right. causing people to not want to uh, import electric cars to the UK because there's a 10% tariff, That's or export, sorry, export cars from the UK, because they build all these cars and they can't send them anywhere because it costs too much to export them out of the UK. Well, story. it's
1: neck and... Right. The problem with a lot of technology is making it profitable, and that's uh, in uh, capitalism. Only profitable inventions ever succeed. You know, even if they're more useful than other inventions. All right, and good news from the Good News Network. We were going to talk about this is but uh, grocery carts can tell researchers who may be at risk for a stroke. This is this is Dateline Liverpool, England. Supermarket carts in Liverpool were fitted with sensors that could identify people at risk of a stroke and dozens of willing participants were diagnosed. Arterial fibrillation, or AFib, is a common heart rhythm, rhythm disorder that causes blood clots to form in the heart and can cause breathlessness and extreme tiredness. Tiredness, huh? While doing simple chores, tiredness, I've not used that word before. More than 40 million people around the world have arterial fibrillation, which increases the risk of stroke, I'm gonna call it AFib from now on, which increases the risk of stroke five-fold, but it's a disorder that can be spotted with a simple pulse check. 2,155 adults volunteered to participate in the study organized by a team from Liverpool, John Moores University, Professor Ian Jones. I wanna go to John Moores University. Anyway, Professor Ian Jones. Sought to test the possibility of getting, is there ever a a stereotypical British name more than Ian Jones? Sought to test the possibility of giving health checks to people out of the public about disrupting their daily routines. Over the course of two months, we identified 39 patients who were unaware that they had our AFib. That's... 39 people at greater risk of stroke who received the cardiologist appointment probably prevented a heart attack. Jones got help from the university of the engineering department, which modified the carts, adding electrocardiogram devices embedded into the handles. The light would show red if the irregular heartbeat was detected; otherwise, it stayed green. The team rolled out the carts to the shoppers. Rolled out. Hey, nice plan, words. The shoppers who volunteered to participate at the four city supermarkets, including Sainsbury's and Lloyd's Pharmacy stores. They browse the supermarket aisles, I mean asked to hold the bar for at least 60 seconds before releasing. An in-store pharmacist then did a manual pulse check and second sensor reading, this time using a standalone bar, not attached to a cart with participants standing still. Nearly two thirds of the shoppers approach were happy to use a trolley, He's a trolley. The other two, th- oh, I can do my liver puddling in accident today.
0: <laughs>
1: I got a slip in the Ringo, but it takes me a minute. Anyway. He takes a sip of coffee. Nearly two-thirds of the shoppers were approached and happy to use the trolley, said Jones, the lead author of the studies report, was yesterday to the European Society of Cardiology meeting in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. The vast majority of those who were declined were in a rush rather than wary of being monitored. That shows that the concept was acceptable to most people and worth testing in a larger study. Over the course of the SHOPs AF study, a cardiologist reviewed data from a volunteer with a red light and regular pulse. Participants were informed the results and those with unclear ECGs got an invitation to repeat their measurements. Those who were confirmed that AFib were given a cardiologist appointment with two weeks courtesy of the uk health system being proactive as they can possibly be way to go man these guys are on top of it 220 participants either had a red light on a sensor or a regular manual pulse check, but only between one quarter and one half of those were officially diagnosed as having arterial fibrillation. And Jones has ideas about adjustments that need to be made for the system to be more accurate. For example, having a designated position on the bar to hold on to as hand movement interfered with the readings. In addition european society of cardiology guidelines recurred just a 30-second ecg to diagnose or, or afib though so we aim to find a center that will have the time shoppers need to continuously hold the bar blood fitting and medications substantially lower the future risk of strokes but too many people only discover they have the condition when it is too late screening programs like this could identify vulnerable individuals so they can be treated checking for egg trivial afib <laughs> while people do their regular shopping holds promise for preventing strokes and saving lives says Jones a crucial aspect would be providing immediate access to help a professional that can explain the findings and there's your first story on Good tuesday's day
0: it's good to getting hear, proactive. I guess.
1: The British getting proactive with their medicine saying, "Hey, we don't want people just dropping dead, clutching their hearts in the public. We are running. Know why they're doing it,
0: That's and try to prevent it. Yeah,
1: I know, man. Your story.
0: Okay, in more AI news from Diane Milmo at the Guardian. Deepfakes, facial recognition, and existential threat. Politicians, watchdogs, and the public must confront daunting issues when it comes to regulating artificial intelligence. Tech tech regulation has a history of lagging the industry, with the UK's online safety bill and the EU's Digital Services Act only just arriving almost two decades after the launch of Facebook. AI is streaking head as well. ChatGPT already has more than 100 million users. The Pope is in a puffer jacket, and an array of experts have warned the AI race is getting out of control. But at least the European Union, as is often the case with tech, is making a start with the AI Act. In the U.S., Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has published a framework for developing AI regulations, one that prioritizes goals like security, accountability, and innovation, with an emphasis on the latter. In the U.K., Rishi Sunak has convened a global summit on AI safety for the on, for the autumn. The EU's AI Act, two years in the making, is the first serious attempt to regulate the technology. Under the AI under the Act, AI systems are classified according to the risk they pose to users: unacceptable risk, high risk, limited risk, and minimal or no risk. I think we've talked about this before, but they're actually going to explain examples of what those kind of risks are and what they look like in actual AI technology. The EU is blunt about systems posing an unacceptable risk, they will be banned. Unacceptable risks include systems that manipulate people, with the EU citing the rather dystopian example of voice-activated toys that encourage dangerous behavior in children, or social scoring, or government-classified people or the government's classifying people based on social, economic, static, or personal characteristics to avoid scenarios like Chang China, where the city-rated aspects of the resident's behavior. It also includes predictive policing systems based on profiling, location, or past criminal behavior, and biometric identification, identification systems such as real-time facial recognition. Basically, they want to get rid of the idea that they could have, uh, what's that movie where... There's, like, people in water who tell the future and say, that person's going to commit a crime. Before they commit a crime, there's a movie about this. But I can't remember the name of it right, right now. Isn't it
1: remember? called The Purge?
0: No, it wasn't The Purge. Yeah,
1: I, I know the movie you're talking about, but I'll, uh, I can look it up while you're talking.
0: That's fine. But uh, oh. basically, the idea is they want to stop... AI determining guilt before actual anything guilty has happened oh we decided you hang out in a bad neighborhood and you're constantly going to that that you know sandwich shop that has criminals working there so you're obviously a criminal you know like some AI would do that an AI would not take anything into consideration they would just look straight at the facts and go this person has to be a criminal they match all my check marks on my boxes and that's how stupid AI can be, because they just see boxes and press the check mark. High-risk AI systems are those that negatively affect safety or fundamental rights. They will will be assessed before being put on the market and will be checked while they are in use. The higher-risk category includes systems used in education, like scoring of exams, which can definitely fuck up, especially if it's written exams, like you have to write a... uh, mathematical equation and you or you type a mathematical equation and they expected you to use asterisk but you used x instead and it's like oh you got that wrong you got that whole thing wrong because you used a different identifier for multiplication you know and that has happened i've seen it plenty of times on on the internet people going i failed this test because the ai decided this is incorrect because we don't have people grading tests we have ai grading tests these days Um, Operation of critical infrastructure AI, law enforcement AI, such as evaluating the reliability of evidence, and management of asylum, migration, and border control are on high-risk AI systems. It also includes systems used in products that fall under the EU's product safety legislation, such as toys, cars, and medical devices. Critics argue that the time and money it takes to comply with such rules may be daunting for startups in this particular. Well, don't start up an AI business then. I don't know what to tell you.
1: Uh,
0: If you can't afford it, don't start it. That's what I say when it comes to starting a business. Uh, Limited risk systems will have to comply with minimal transparency requirements, and users should be made aware when they are interacting with AI, including systems that generate image, audio, or video content, like deepfakes. I think they should make deepfakes illegal completely. I don't think they have any use. At all. They're only only a danger. I'm gonna deepfake you into this porn video and now you got fired for your job. (laughs) Ha ha! It's just a prank, but now your life's ruined. But it's just a prank. It's not... You know? Okay. Okay. The EU Parliament cites specific proposals for generative AI tools like chat, chat, GPT, and Midjourney that produce plausible text and images in response to human prompts. AI-generated content will have to be flagged in some way, the EU wants Google or Facebook to start doing this straight away, and AI firms will have to publish summaries of the copyrighted data used for training up these AI systems. We're still largely in the dark about this, yes. Fun fact, AI aren't just pulling their images out of thin air, They're they're scouring the internet and just pasting it all together and going, look, I made something new. No, you made a bunch of things that copyrighted about 50 other things and then put it together. It's still copyright, it's still plagiarism if you use different parts from 50 different things, okay? That's still not your boat. (laughs) You didn't build that boat. Somebody made the parts for your boat, okay? Minimal or no-risk systems such as AI used in video games or spam filters, yeah, I can understand that, will have no additional obligations under the act. The European Commission says that the vast majority of AI systems used in in the EU, fall into this category breaches of the act could be punished by fines of 30 million or six percent of the global turnover microsoft for instance reported a revenue of 100 in the last year so six percent of that if they break any of the rules here under the different risk systems As existential fears about such technology rapidly rise, abound, and tech giants compete in an AI arms race, governments are beginning to seriously consider the warnings about AI and questions it raises as my colleagues Alex Hearn and I reported on last week. He says, uh, Dan Milmo says. So they made another report last week about this and the new EUI Act, meanwhile, addresses similar questions that they had in that report. There's more on this article about you know what's the plan what should we do more you know what are the critics saying what do companies think but you're free to go out to the guardian and read this article by by milmo
1: because
0: lim- it's the lengthier- i just uh, wanted to cover uh, specifically like the different types of ai you know the different risks and what you're looking at and how the eu specifically will be handling those risks uh, did and, you find uh, out the, the movie name- title
1: Called Minority Report, yes, starring Minority Tom Cruise. Report.
0: Yeah.
1: Tom Cruise, Colin Farrell, and Samantha Morton. <laughs> it was released in two thousand two, produced by Steven Spielberg. So if you want to know the future of AI turning into a Karen and turning in your neighbors for having a barking dog and the cops take her away because she fits a profile of someone who might commit a murder seven years from now and they put her in trial for something she might do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Let's avoid that, please. That's your-
1: yeah, let's have that for a future, eh? What happened to Sandy? Well, the cop uh, she fit the she fit the she fit the profile of some Sam killer, really. Yeah, she's a mother of seven. Oh, she was gonna be a killer. We had to we had to get rid of her. Anyway, at first, this is uh, from Columbia, and this is uh, New York Times byline: Genevieve Gladsky and Julie Turkwitz. At first, he heard a cry. Then, just beyond the broad leaves of the jungle, Nicholas Ordonez could make out the form of a small girl and a, and a baby in her arms. Mr. Ordonez, a man, young man from the humblest of backgrounds, stepped forward soon to become a national hero. He and three other men had found four Colombian children who had survived a terrifying plane crash, followed by 40 harrowing days in Amazon rainforest, and whose plight had drawn worldwide attention. But these men did not wear the uniform of the Colombian military or any other force backed by millions of dollars mobilized for the massive search. Instead, they were members of a civilian patrol known as the Indigenous Guard, a, confed- a confederation of defense groups that have sought to protect broad swaths of indigenous territory from violence and environmental destruction linked to the country's long internal conflict. Many in the Guard say their cause has been long marginalized. Now they are the center of the country's biggest story. What we are, the Indigenous Guards have been, has been made visible. Said Luis, Luis Acosta, who coordinates the multiple groups collectively as the Indigenous Guard. I think that this may gain us respect, gain us recognition. While must still do not know how the four children survived the jungle, interviews with the hometown along Columbia's southern edge provide the deepest account yet about what led to the moment of the rescue. Colombia's indigenous guardsmen usually wear cloth vests and carry wooden staffs, not guns. And over the years, they have resisted incursions by left-wing guerrillas, right-wing paramilitaries, oil companies, and even Columbia's security forces. Their sudden thrust into the global spotlight started in May after a single-propeller plane went down in the remote Colombian Amazon. The search team soon found the bodies of three adults aboard, but the four young passengers were missing, setting off an intense anguish that involved an unlikely cooperation between the military and the indigenous guard. The children ages 1 to 14 are siblings from an indigenous group called the Toto. H-U-I-T-O-T-O-M-O-U-S-E. We are also known as the M-O-Murui Muina. That, even harder to pronounce. they had the, <coughs> they had boarded the plane with their mother a community leader and their, their pilot to escape violence from the faction of left-wing guerrilla group in their amazonian town according to uh, manuel ronald the father of the two youngest children the guerrilla group in text messages to the times denied that that's parenthetically. the rescue teams were captivated people Around the world, and when the children were found alive on June 9th, Colombia's President Gustavo Petro hailed Gustavo Petro hailed the joining of the forces between the Indigenous Guard and the military as a symbol of the new Colombia. Right on, brother. Mr. Ordóñez, the three other men who found the found the children, Eliseo Muñoz, Dario Cumet. Kamaratike and Edwin Manchala are out from Puerto Legozamo, a town in the southern edge of the Colombian Amazon, where the drug trade reigns and armed groups fight for control of the industry. They are. They are also muy muy in their recent day at Porto port, Legozamo, Mr. Ordonez and others sat around a meeting house known among the indigenous groups as a Malacca and described what they had signed up for in a rescue mission. Light streaked through the thatched roof, a bowl of brilliant green mambé, a mild stimulant made of ground cocoa leaf, sacred to the tribe, set in the center of the floor. Mr. Ordonez, born in the town, just seven families, Left school at the age of 10 to be working, moving boxes at a grocery store in exchange for his pick of damaged produce. Then, when he was 14, he was recruited by the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia or FARC, the leftist guerrilla group that fought the Colombian government for decades terrorizing the nation. He said he joined he said he joined for voluntary voluntarily out of economic desperation. His experience was not unique. He, thousands of children had been recruited by armed groups during the country's long war. As a minor, Mr. O. said he was not assigned armed combat, but he quickly became disillusioned with the group's violent tactics. And when he was captured by the military a year later, he saw it as divine intervention. The improbability of his rise from fighting the state to working alongside it did not escape him. Just People yesterday, I was an enemy of these people and now I'm working for them. How crazy at age 15, Mr. has entered a government reintegration program for child victims for of recruitment over the next three years. He took courses in governance and did community service in violence, ridden neighborhoods. He said when he was 18, he returned to Puerto Leguizamo and had a spiritual. Revolution, immersing, immersing himself in indigenous customs. In May, the indigenous guard called, asking him if he wanted to become an official member. He agreed. Days later, he answered a call for volunteers to join the government effort, named Operation Hope to find the missing siblings. Once a child member of an armed group, he, had, he knew he had, had a new vision. This is my war now, to rescue children. The current indigenous guard is a byproduct of Colombia's conflict, his modern history may trace the many trace to the creation of the farc which promised to overthrow government and re- redistribute the land and wealth at least 450,000 people were killed either at the hands of right wing pil- paramilitary the farc the military and other armed groups a peace agreement in 2016 led by the farc to lay down its arms but violence persists with the old and new groups battling for territorial control And it goes on for several more minutes. It doesn't get too much into the history of Columbia, and it does not go back to the Precambrian Age or dinosaurs, but it is quite long.
0: (laughs) That's how long it
1: is.
0: (laughs) All right. In In cultural news, we've got an exclusive from Will Pitchard. Behind bars, how rap lyrics are being used to convict b- convict black British men. Crown Prosecution Services claims no one is convicted solely via lyrics, but shocking new research finds juries being shown music and dance as evidence of guilt. Speaking of a minority report, this is an actual yeah. minority being reported on because of what music uh-huh. they listen to. <laughs> on the sixth of February, twenty twenty. Guys... Sorry.
1: Ironically ironic, or yeah. as uh, in the in the uh, from the Department of Redundancy Department. You know, I'm the same <laughs> right
0: On the sixth of February, 2020, around 11:15 a.m., a 16-year-old boy stepped out of Brighton's Regent Hotel and walked toward the Terrace Green of Regency Square. He had with him a handful of small pebble pebbleside packages, some bound in blue plastic, the others in white different colors let him know which contained heroin and which contained cocaine. Lane clothes police officers watching the boy soon discovered another 150 similar wraps in the hotel rooms he had been staying in. Just over a year later at the Crown Court in Lewis, a jury convicted the boy who had been sent to brought in by a North London gang known as the Molly Boys of two counts of being concerned in the supply of a Class A drug. James is just one of more of the 250 people in the UK, almost all young, black men, whose in court over the past three years has been decided in part by their taste in rap music. Rap materials making their way into UK courtrooms can be professionally recorded tracks, but often consist of little more than throwaway lyrics and iPhone notes or derivative scribbles in teenage notebooks, still enough for prosecutors to win convictions. When contacted by The Guardian, the Crown Prosecution Service says that it has never prosecuted anybody solely on the basis of their involvement with the drill or rap music scene, but that drill and rap music may be specifically relevant to the cases against the suspect, in which case it may be used as evidence. New research conducted in a partnership with the University of Manchester's Prosecution Rap Project has identified more than 70 trials from 2020 to 2023, in which rap evidence including lyrics, music videos, and audio recordings had been used by police and prosecutors to build their cases. Previous research spanning a period of five times as long, between 2005 and 2020, uncovered 67 cases. This increased appearance of rap in courtrooms suggests authorities have latched on to the approach as one that they can secure convictions with juries, seemingly without concern for the possible prejudicial nature of such evidence. In drill rap, performance taunting others and referring in verses often callously to specific instances. Of oh wait, in drill rap, performance taunting others and referring in verses often callously to specific instances of railroad violence is not unheard of. But even in these cases, it remains a stretch to prove that such wordplay directly results in violence. Those who oppose the use of the practice say that more often in rap is introduced as a spring of prejudice across proceedings. In James' case, his mere presence in a video was seemingly enough to color his character for the court. While in the successful appeal, based on the original judge's mishandling of the modern slavery defense, James' convictions were quashed. But in a 2020 analysis of earlier use of rap evidence in U.K. courts, Dr. Abina Oosu bempa an associate professor of law in the London School of Economics, found that just one instance in which the use of such evidence was successfully appealed. High-profile trials like the one currently involving U.S. chart topping rapper Young Thug draws attention to the issue. Jay-Z is among the artists behind a prominent campaign for rap lyrics not to be admissible as evidence in the U.S., But in the UK, most instances go unreported, and there could be many more than the ones uncovered here. Save for the testimony of witnesses, the grousing of baristas and solicitors, or police officers posting about their exploits on social media, researchers are left to rely on publication of appeal judgments and reports from local media, neither of which are guaranteed to include mention of rap evidence. The word drill can have similarly provocative effect. During the 2020 trial of Danielle Lena, the popular rapper Unknown T, who had been accused and later acquitted of murder, concerns were raised in court about specific references being made to drill music, owing to the substantial prejudice that mentions of the genera attract. Okay, so like, oh, people who like drill are evil. Okay, that's an interesting line to draw. Drawing clear conclusions on the motives of drill rappers, I like listening to drill. Am I gonna commit murder tomorrow? I'm gonna start selling drugs on the corner? I guess so, according to the UK. Particular ones that could form solid evidence is made almost impossible by the way in which bold claims, aggressive boasts, local gossip, and provocation are woven into the fabric of the genre. Fans living vicariously through the outlaw tales portrayed in drill songs, flock to the reaction videos, and street gossip-clamp channels on YouTube, and other social media platforms. Further boosting artists' online clout and notoriety. And muddying the already grey waters what might be true and what is not. Yeah, I mean, it's their stories. People have always embellished stories. But people are using it as a reason to convict. That's uh, crazy. Uh, there, this article is very long. It goes on. But I just wanted to tell... Inform the people out there. You know, that this is happening in the UK, in the US, and probably other places where... They're saying, US. oh, you wrote this rap lyric. That means it actually happened. We're going to convict you now for murder because you said you're going to kill, you know, Tom. And freaking Tom ended up dying. So we think you were the one who killed him because you said you you threatened him in a music video. You know? Okay.
1: Right. All right. Not that, yeah. Not that the U.S. is perfect, but we do have... Sh- little bit stronger uh, First Amendment rights, you know, freedom of speech than England does. I'm not saying we're perfect, but by the way, in the United States, you can advocate for the active overthrow for a government on a daily basis so you don't get arrested. So why would you arrest you for uh, lyrics and songs? But uh, as I'm gonna quote Frank Zappa here, there are more love songs than anything else. If songs can make you do something, we'd all love one another.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, on to this day in history.
1: Okay, this day in history. This day in history is uh, June 27th. Uh, let's, uh, let's see. Let's start at the bottom because that always do. I think they go from least important to most important, but I don't know. Uh, 18, 1787, British historian Edward Gibbon completed the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Because he was there. Anyway, eighteen 184- forty. 1844, Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormon Church, was murdered by an armed mob in Carthage, Illinois. Well, they were a little bit reactionary, aren't they? 1846, Charles Stuart Parnell, Irish Nationalist leader in the struggle for home rule, was born in Avondale County, Wicklow. Wicklow. In 1862, during the first battle of Cold Harbor in the American Civil War, Confederate General Rodney Lee attacked Confederate Union troops, driving them back in disorder and forcing them to withdraw the south side of the Chickahominy River, which a temporary victory by the Confederacy, which was totally crushed. Don't forget that. They were totally crushed, humiliated, and probably should have been uh, their leaders should have been arrested, but we let them off the hook. Hey, 1917, World War One. Greece declared war. During World War One, Greece declared war on the Central Powers. That's the World War One, not the World War Two <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: 1930,
1: Ross Perot was born. If you remember Ross Perot, you ever President. in '92 and '96 as a. Cranky old billionaire 1997 Djibouti gained its in- independence from France thereby becoming the country with the funnest name to say Djibouti 2007 after having served Chancellor of, of the Ex- Ex- Choc- Checker, British Labour Party politician Gordon Brown. Remember, Gordon Brown became Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Whatever happened to the good old Gordon Brown. Not exactly Joe Dimaggio, but all right. And uh, featured event today: 1971. Yen was made the official monetary unit of Japan. First minted in 1869, the yen was adopted as Japan's official monetary unit on this day in 1871. When the government suspended the exchange of clan notes, money issued by feudal lords that had circulated since the 16th century. Birthdays today: Jack Lemon was born this day in 1925. Wait, wait, no, going back. Jack Lemon died on this day in 2001. He was not born on this day in 1925. He was born on February 8th. But he died in June 27th of 2001. One of your finer actors, love Jack Lyman. 1966, J.J. Abrams, American writer-producer, was born. We covered Ross Perot. 1927, Bob Keeshan, also known as Captain Kangaroo, was born in this day, right on. Helen Keller's birthday today, she was born in 1980. Emma Goldman, American anarchist, little American anarchist. Sounds like it should be a movie with that title, right? Should be. Emma Goldman's morning, this is day 1860. And what day is it? Well, we'll find out as soon as I figure out technology again. Okay, what day is it again? Today is June 27th, which makes it slow loading internet day. Hold on. Okay micro small and medium enterprises day so there we are we're small enterprises right it's our day today
0: yeah and so
1: a national onion day where does that hit you anywhere National PTSD Awareness Day. That's post-traumatic stress disorder. That's what you get from going through anything that just totally goes, oh my God, when this is over, I'm gonna be normal again. And you never get back to being normal. Unfortunately. Anyway. National Sunglasses Day. So while you're having your PTSD and your onion and operating your small business, make sure you're wearing your shades. It's actual National HIV Testing Day. If you have had relations with somebody you have never met before, go get tested. Yes. National Day is in June 27th. Ice Cream Cake Day. Thank you. I'll reject onions for ice cream cake every day. And that's all of them. All of them. All right. And I have my...
0: This has been Allison um, getting ready to give my PTSD victims some ice cream cake and getting nice. tested to make sure I don't have HIV. We'll see you tomorrow on Wednesday for some wacky news, I guess, because that's what Raj likes to cover. Wacky news on Wednesday.
1: Yep. Yeah, no. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, uh, this is Roger starting my onion growing small business. Because you missed them two things. And my small onion growing business. Yeah, and February 27th. February. February.
0: 27th. <laughs> At least you didn't say February 30th. Because then I'd be like, wow, you really are out of it. June 27th,
1: 2023. edition of before coffee here coffee right here man it's not working not doing his job be sure to hit the like subscribe and notify buttons and follow our other channels toxic alley history of gravy and scratchy old records